0: now on this invest talk podcast justin klein listens to your questions
1: i bought a position back in june of 2020 and it's up about around 60 right now
2: all right looking at clearway energy inc cwen is the symbol
0: and provides unbiased answers
2: and the issue here is that the prices just run away from the fundamentals
0: invest talk over 28 million downloads and
1: counting. Uh, hi, Steve and Justin, thanks for the great show. I would like your opinion on Markel, MKL.
0: Your participation makes it unique. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
3: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial, independent thinking, Shared success. And now today's podcast.
2: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, February 1st, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And yep, we've already been through the first month of the year. And what a wild month it has been. Or it was, I guess. And That means there's a lot to unpack, and on today's program, I'm going to really unpack my full thoughts on the whole GameStop uh, story that really dominated the markets last week and kind of continues to this day, right, with uh, silver being the new target, and I'm going to unpack the various aspects of the story because there are certainly various aspects some, the media is covering well. Others, they are not covering well at all or even at all. So we're going to... I'm going to unpack that throughout the show because each part needs kind of a its fleshing out. And that's what I'm going to do for you today and on today's program. And what we'll do... In addition, is operate with our mission statement, as always, which is independent thinking and shared success. That is our assurance to you, whether I'm talking about this topic or uh, what's going on in the market in general. Explaining different processes of analyzing companies and charts and asset classes. Or maybe it's just stock commentary about individual companies, which uh, certainly there's always calls about that. I'm going to present them without bias, and I'm going to give you the facts, uh, what I believe to be the facts in my viewpoint, and I can be wrong, I will be wrong. I have been wrong in the past, I will be wrong in the future. But my perspective at least is colored with a lot of information and a lot of experience, you know, I've been doing this for uh, about 20 years, so I'm Justin Klein, of course we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And you get to shape the show to your liking when you do call. In fact, you can call and interact with us right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or you can leave a question anytime on our Invest Talk voice bank. The number never changes, 888 charts. So let's get right to our first caller question in Washington State and talk with Gene. He wants to talk about a Roth IRA. Uh, yeah, I'm curious.
1: About, um, I have a, a Roth IRA through my 401k at work, and it's basically, I, I don't have a lot of options, really. It's just uh, put into uh, set, certain um, mutual funds, and um, that's my Roth IRA. I've had that, had, had that going for a few years now, and I started a traditional IRA through uh, TD Ameritrade, and I guess my, my and in my traditional IRA, I I tend to just buy individual securities, um, individual stocks. And I guess my question is, would it benefit me more to um, have a traditional IRA through my four hundred one k and have a Roth IRA through my TD Ameritrade
2: account? Well, I always say first off I'm I think that you are confusing your 401k. You might have a Roth 401k. Is that correct not a Roth IRA with your employer?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, the yeah. Roth okay. 401k. Yeah. Got it. Yep. So, what I always say is you should try to maximize first off your company match. Whatever that is, you should make sure you get to that full company match within your 401k, whether that's a traditional 401k or a Roth 401k, right, which would be after tax, whatever that is, that's more of a tax question for you and your CPA uh, and has to do with your tax rate. So which one you should have with your employer depends on that. But if you get the full match, then you can start to think about other options. So make sure you get that full match. Then you think about Okay, then do I open up an IRA, a Roth IRA? Are you eligible that, for that based on your income? And then if not, probably a regular IRA is the way to go. And the more money you can get into a regular IRA, a Roth IRA, the better because you have more options. Like you said, you're limited within your 401k of what funds you can buy. And, and that's not ideal, right? You want Everyone wants options. They want to buy whatever they're... They can, and within an IRA or a Roth IRA, you can do that, and so that's kind of the strategy you should think about. Uh, there's definitely a mix between tax considerations, but also the investment flexibility, and that's the way I would flesh out that particular strategy. Thanks for the call, Gene. Now, I know you want strategies to help deal with this crazy market and this uncertainty and I am here now ready to take your calls at 8899 chart 888 992 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. And I encourage you to call in sooner rather than later. Now, let's check in on the market today. The S&P was up uh, almost 2%, 59 points. A solid bounce from support off the 50-day moving average from the close on Friday. And we had a down January, which, you know, history says that Portends to the rest of the year, but not always, certainly not 100%, but certainly gives an indication of what potentially could happen this year. And I'm watching for kind of the close from, or the open on Monday, not Monday, Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday of last week. Do we close back above that? That would be an indication that maybe this re- this pullback here is is over. Uh, but today was a nice bounce, kind of like Thursday was a nice bounce, and then we had to sell. So how do we... How does that look tomorrow? We didn't close above Friday's high on the S&P, so that was telling as well. Uh, But kind of a snapback rally. How far do the Reddit traders go with the silver squeeze? That certainly was a big mover this morning and certainly could continue going forward. How much is going to continue? Not sure yet, but we'll see how how that goes and whether they continue to push on that pedal. I know a lot of them are trying to take delivery, and that's certainly something uh, the market is... Uh, looking after, because it could create mayhem on a larger scale uh, than just GameStop. Remember, GameStop just kind of messed with Melvin Capital and some hedge funds and and, and the like, but it, it's something that didn't take down the system. Um, and frankly, the Reddit traders, you know, this is social unrest uh, uh, on the financial markets. And we're going to unpack that, right? I'm going to unpack Kind of all of this, all the the different prongs that go into this. I'm going to unpack Robinhood, and you'll be surprised to know the origin of, of Robinhood's business model. I'm going to unpack that. I'm also going to look at the market structure. Our main focus point today is about gamma hedging, and I'm going to try to explain that simply. And we have a great article, it's actually from the NASDAQ, uh, that links on our website. So if you want to go to investtalk.com, it, it's a broader explanation and it's really well laid out, but I'm going to kind of give you a, a breakdown of that too, and how that's played out in not just GameStop, because this isn't just a, a story about one company, this is something that's happened for a while. This is a year plus, uh, Tesla's of the world, a lot of other companies are caught up in this gamma hedging, and we're going to discuss that. Next, indexing on top of it. There's an indexing aspect to this. The fact that all the this money is flowing into indexing willy-nilly without regard to valuation. I'm going to unpack that. And then the political dynamic. You know, I'm not going to take sides one side or the other, but I'm going to give you kind of the, the back story of where, why we're here, uh, at least the way I see it, and how the world is changing in that way. And hopefully open your eyes up to kind of what's happening with the broader financial system and we're going to look at all of that and then there's some other topics on my mind as well one is expected returns for the large for that major asset classes US equities foreign equities emerging markets US bonds etc we're gonna look at different expectations from some of the big analysis, analysts, excuse me, out there. And we're going to unpack that. And then lastly, rules of thumb, financial rules of thumb. How well do they really work out? We'll look at that. Now we're heading into a break my phone lines are open. So we love to, we love live calls and we are waiting for your questions right now at 888-99-SHARK. It's a new year,
0: and building your financial future takes information and commitment. So you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Peasley and Justin
2: Klein. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Trent in Minnesota. He's looking at C-R-L-B-F. Is this a cannabis name? Yeah, Cresco Labs. Okay.
1: And I, was, I saw it had pretty high revenues compared, or even higher revenues than Canopy Growth Company and Truly um, Cannabis Corp, two other cannabis stocks out there that were trading at seemingly higher valuations to me. So I was just kind of seeing your thoughts that this was one that maybe was a little undervalued.
2: Yeah, let me take a look at this. It's about $2.7 billion market... Ca- or enterprise value, excuse me, 2.6 billion market cap. So a little bit of debt, but not too much. I like their balance sheet. Trading at about seven times revenues, 62 times EBITDA. Now, is this a? Let me look at the domicile. Yeah, this is in Illinois. So I like that it's a domestic name, right? I like that. Oh yeah, and one. Good.
1: One thing I was going off of was just the last quarter revenues was hmm. really up for that one.
2: are just bringing it up on multiple systems here yeah certainly up 300 percent year over year earnings expect to be 21 cents next quarter or sorry this year excuse me and 12 stock so i like the chart i like the fundamentals uh, i'm gonna give it a thumbs up trent appreciate it thanks awesome. for the call that was cresco Thank labs symbol was crlbf now my focus point today concerns the story A gamma squeeze is a large part of the meteoric rise in shares of GameStop and AMC and many of these other crazy names that are trading in the market right now. And I'm going to, typically a squeeze is applied to short sellers, right? Squeezing the short sellers. Well, a gamma squeeze is somewhat related, but it's actually more related to the options market. So I'm gonna unpack let's let's unpack what that looks like. Okay. And this is important because this is a story that j- didn't just start. It didn't just they didn't just start a gamma squeeze over the past couple of weeks. This is something that has been going on for a couple of years now that they figured out this game. Let's say they, kind of these uh these traders on Reddit. Uh, trying to force prices higher. And what they've realized is that if they buy enough call options, out-of-the-money call options, that they can force the stock higher. Now, let me unpack what that means and and I'll try to do it as simple as possible. Now, I'm going to use Tesla as an example because Tesla was kind of one of the first companies that they did this with. And because there was a lot of short sellers, no longer anymore, But I'm going to use Tesla because I'm going to try to use round numbers in a company that you've heard of. So Tesla's trading a little over $800. Let's call it $800 a share if you average Friday's price and today's price. $800 a share. Well, you can buy out-of-the-money call options, $1,600 strike, $1,700 strike. Let's call $1,600 for round numbers because you have double the money, double the price. right? And you can buy those for expiration in February. Third February of this month. So, not uh, two weeks from this Friday, basically. So, what are the odds that Tesla actually doubles in the next two and a half weeks? Well, very low, right? Very, very low. But there are thousands and thousands of contracts being written every day on these call options. They're very cheap, 20 cents a share, right? To bet on giant upside in Tesla. And the other side of this are market makers. And so after the break, I'm gonna unpack what that means in practice, what that actually does, what the market makers have to do in order to hedge themselves and to create a gamma squeeze. And that's what these Reddit traders have figured out and they're forcing a lot of these stocks higher. I've gotta take a quick break here and I wanna continue with this explanation. So hang on, on the other side of the break, I'll wrap it up. Phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART.
0: Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com.
2: And before the break, I started the explanation of what a gamma squeeze is. So uh, I set up, okay, Tesla's at 800. There are call options, which basically give somebody the right to buy Tesla in three weeks, two and a half weeks, for $1,600 a share. It costs 20 cents a share. It's a very cheap option because guess what? The odds of it actually being in the money, being meaning above $1,600 in two and a half weeks, is very, very low. Well, the market makers look at that and they say, well, I want, I'll, I'll, I'll sell that, right? Right, because the odds that it expires worthless in two and a half weeks are very, very high. Well, that's well and good, but there is something called hedging, right? So, if Tesla, let's say, took off and was above sixteen hundred, maybe it's at eighteen hundred in two and a half weeks. Well, effectively, the market makers are short Tesla at sixteen hundred dollars a share. So, as when they sell those call options, they have to hedge themselves. And there's ratios and there's algorithms and it's complex. But basically, they have to buy the underlying security a certain amount. And the more options that are being bought above the current price, the more that the market makers are synthetically, or actually, buying the actual shares because they are synthetically short of, of the stock at a higher price. So they must hedge themselves. Okay? And so if tomorrow they wake up and Tesla's now at, from goes from 800 to 900, well, they're going to have to buy even more because of all these open interest contracts above the current market price, and they have to continue to hedge themselves. So instead of before, they might sell or buy 20 shares of every option that they sell. They might have to now buy 25 shares or 30 shares, right? And that pushes the market up. So that's what the real fire is here. It's the gamma hedging. And it goes both ways, right? So as maybe Tesla goes down, they actually have to unload. They unload the hedges that they have, meaning the underlying stock, and that could push the price down as well. But as long as individuals, speculators, are buying these call options at any strike, at any time frame, Gamma, or the market makers are going to have to buy more and more shares. And that's what they figured out on Tesla early on. And that's one of the big reasons why Tesla is where it is today with, from the valuation is because gamma squeeze on top of short sellers, right? Short sellers are simply gasoline on the fire. It's not something that is the source of the market moves. They just simply are Adding to those buyers that are just needing to buy, not necessarily want to buy, but because of what's happening, uh, risk management, etc., they have to buy. And it certainly was bad risk management on the part of hedge funds for shorting so much GameStop, and I certainly don't feel bad for any of them. But the real story here, in the and the, the, the media isn't talking about it, is the gamma hedging. And that's a big part of a lot of these tech companies. A lot of them that are have these crazy valuations is a lot of the underlying ownership of them by market makers selling tons of call options. And call option activity is at a record high. And thus, the market makers have to own records amount of hedges, meaning the underlying stock. So hope that was a good explanation. I'm going to unpack some more after the break, but let's get to keep, let's keep the flow moving and go straight back to the live phones for a question from a listener. Adam in California looking at PRKR. Is this or a Parker vision? Okay. Yeah. Parker
1: vision. I'm looking to buy it. I just wanted to know your thoughts. Uh, listen every day.
2: Okay. This looks like a an otc stock correct yep i think so uh let's see is in the business of innovating fundamental wireless technology designs develops and markets proprietary i've never heard of this company super small 70 million dollar market cap trading on the otc exchange so very illiquid here that's one of the issues uh was there is there news that's driving it from 40 40 cents a share at the start of the year to a dollar 33 today
1: yeah, so I think they're going through some lawsuit against Qualcomm, and I hear it's uh, favoring ParkerVision. So I'm um, I'm not sure if it if it ended yet, but uh, you know, it's been moving pretty good. So I wanted to know your thoughts. Yeah, it looks
2: like a Texas court has ruled favorably for Parker Vision. I'm just looking at a press release here. I'd really have to unpack the details. This is one of those names where they really don't have any revenue. They don't have revenue, right? So this is all about this story and this lawsuit. And are they going to suddenly bring in some sort of uh, revenue using that IP, right? Uh, Maybe they're going to go into a royalty agreement with Qualcomm. I'm not sure. I'd really have to unpack that. And obviously, it's too hard for me to do that here this quickly. But that's what you're going to have to dig into. How impactful will that be for the business, what's the total potential market cap or or revenue stream that would bring in, and could it be overturned, right? Certainly this is going to be appealed and appealed and appealed, and will it be upheld as well? So certainly very high risk, the chart is going off the charts, and so you're really going to have to understand that ruling and what that means for the business, and until then, I can't really give you a recommendation. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we made it. We're now into February of the new year. And I know a lot of people probably couldn't wait to finish 2020, but 2021 brings its own challenges. So that's why I'm here to help you meet are those challenges. And we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy and where would you Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com, HackerOne.com. The markets
0: react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk, eight 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 ninety
1: nine 99 Chart. Hi, Stephen Justin. I was curious on what your short term and long term outlook slash opinion might be for clear wave renewable energy. The uh ticker symbol is CWPN. I bought a position back in June of twenty twenty and it's up about around sixty percent right now. Love to hear back from you. Like
2: All right, looking at ClearWay Energy Inc., C-W-E-N is the symbol, and what they do is they own, operate, and acquire renewable and conventional generational thermal infrastructure assets. So it's a green energy play, and the issue here is that the prices just run away from the fundamentals to a large degree, and that's certainly an issue. Now, earnings last year, after the report in the fourth quarter, expected to be $1.24, Uh, and then 97 cents this year. So down 22%. I think that's interesting. Yields 3.4%. They have a lot of debt on their balance sheet. And that worries me a little bit. The fact that they, they carry so much debt in relation to their market cap, but it's a consistent business in general. Uh, you know, when it comes to its cash flow and its It's earnings, right? Trailing 12 months, $421 million in free cash flow. And they've had pretty much positive free cash flow since 2014. So I like that. I don't mind the debt because of the consistency of their business. But the question is, are you paying too much after this huge, huge run up from 52-week low of $16? And now we're at 31, so it's uh, basically doubled. But it is 16% off its high of $37. Now, it's in a support. And what I would say is this is looking bad technically. Fundamentally, it's overvalued by somewhere in the neighborhood of 30%, I would say, after this run. And I would be cutting it back, at least, and trying to diversify your exposure to the green energy space things that maybe are a little more fairly valued. I know it's tough to find in this space, um, but that's what I would be doing. I'd be trying to right-size my portfolio or my weighting to this name on any bounce. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Noel in Napa looking at AT&T. Hi,
1: Justin. Uh, yeah, I've owned AT&T for uh, probably about a year and a half. Just The only reason I bought it was for the dividend, of course. and uh, But I'm having... I'm kind of getting tired of it. And, you know, last Wednesday, you talked about uh, poorly managed companies and uh, you used Boeing as an example. I, I kind of feel like AT&T is kind of in that same bag. And so uh, I, I can find – I've got other stocks on my watch list that pay just as much or more dividend and I think are more interesting. So uh, are you on board with doing that?
2: Uh actually no. We actually own uh, AT&T for managed accounts. We like that that dividend, but what we what we like more is, are the assets that they've acquired, although some they paid too much for. Some they I think didn't do enough due diligence like uh, Direct TV. So when you're making acquisitions, that certainly can happen. Uh but I like the HBO acquisition, Time Warner. Uh, HBO Max is growing, and I think there's a lot of potential for that business. Uh, And 80% of their business comes from their wireless division. And that is consistent. Uh, It is growing. Uh, There are the Internet of Things revolution that certainly will add to the ability or the, the, the ability to expand their revenue to things besides just tablets and cell phones. And although it's not going to be a fast grower, I think it's going to be a consistent grower. And they are a cash flow machine. $28 billion in free cash flow over the trailing 12 months. And their market cap is $204 billion. Now, certainly they have a lot of debt, but they're paying that down rather quickly. So to me, I wouldn't get too caught up here because this is a name that will get itself right from a financial perspective. Okay. Its debt has gone from 163 billion in March of 2018 to 157. And that's with, with share buybacks, with paying a dividend. Uh, and so I think they will continue to whittle that down. And I don't think the dividend's going anywhere. Now, I may not go up, but I don't think it's going anywhere. And I think, that HBO Max and their other assets are going to be able to grow revenue and earnings over time. So, I understand you are probably frustrated with it, but I think there's a nice floor here right in the high 20s. I don't think it's going to go much below that, and I think there's a lot of potential upside if HBO Max can continue its momentum. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart 88992 4278 so I get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, let me continue with the GameStop story and pivot over to Robinhood quickly. Uh, you know, Robinhood limited a lot of trading and everyone's mad about them, but they should not be shocked. Why? Because of their business model. They are a pay-for-order order flow business model. I mean, they sell off the order flow from their users to companies like Citadel. I believe Citadel was their largest customer. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the pay-for order flow was pioneered by somebody that, or a name, that you will know. And that name is Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff was the pioneer of selling order flow. He was a market maker. He had a legitimate business. It was being a market maker. And so, the business model of Robinhood is... Bernie Madoff's legitimate business. And a lot of people can argue that it was a shady business and is a shady business. Remember, if something is free, just like Google and Facebook and Robinhood, when something is free, you are the product. Remember that. Always remember that. Now, certainly it's been good, I think, for a lot of small traders that aren't paying commissions and in the industry as a whole. I know for us, we've, uh, we're down to zero commissions at TD. So we like that. But understand, first off, and I've been saying Robinhood, if you're in Robinhood, you should be out of Robinhood a long time ago. I've been saying this for two years now. A lot of people haven't really listened to me, but hopefully now they will. Now, the next part I want to unpack is the political aspect. Uh, and you know me, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an independent. I don't have uh, sides. I just kind of look at the broader trends and how they might impact markets and economies and companies. And you know that one of my favorite books is The Fourth Turning. I think everybody should be reading it. And what's interesting here is I look at this as not just class warfare, because it is. It's poor versus the the wealthy and well-connected in big Wall Street. But it's also a generational fight between millennials and baby boomers. Millennials, think about it, they've grown up, they've lived in a world with 9-11 when they first came of age. Remember, I'm I'm an old millennial. I'm 37. 9-11 was on my 18th birthday. It was on my 18th birthday. Now what that means is the vast majority of millennials were coming of age, whether they were in junior high, high school, or college, when 9-11 happened. And then you had the wars and uh, WMDs, which didn't actually, weren't actually there, right? Then you have the financial crisis and bailouts of banks. Then you have the recent crisis with bailouts of corporations and only $1,200 checks to individuals. So there's a lot of this generational warfare to, and they're blaming it on baby boomers, that baby boomers are the cause of them graduating with a lot of debt, not having a lot of opportunity, exporting jobs, etc. And that's a big aspect to this as well. And it kind of reminds me of a part of one of my favorite movies. I don't know if you've ever seen Fight Club. Remember Project Mayhem? Fantastic movie, very interesting. Uh, and Project Mayhem was about kind of the backlash against big business. And it was a group, hoodlums, right? creating havoc and damage to these large corporations. And this is a theme that runs throughout our society now, and I think a big aspect of it is that we are more secular, right? More Less religious, more secular. Now, years ago, decades ago, a lot of people found their social connection to the world via the church, right? friends were at the church. It's where they went to events. They went Sunday uh, mass, et cetera. And that was a big part of their sociability in the world. Well, in today's world, when less and less people are religious, they still want to be part of something. That's why you have people that are Tesla fanatics. You have people that are, uh, what's the, the fitness one? Um, Uh, Peloton, but then there's also the, uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, where they have the box and everyone goes and works out together, and uh, I forgot the name of it. Um, ah, it's, 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 uh, it's escaping me right now. But a lot of people want to be a part of something. And this is part of it, right, where people want to be a part of a group that are, has a bigger meaning than themselves. And that's only going to continue. And that's certainly uh, an aspect that is bringing this social unrest, right? They want to be a part of a larger community. And this is the community, Wall Street Bets. So um, that's a big aspect. And then there's the indexing part. Now, I don't know if you know this, but GameStop was 0.02% of the Russell 2000 just a couple of months ago. Well, at one point, it was the largest position in the Russell 2000. And what this does is it forces indexes to buy more shares. So this actually adds to, remember the short covering being fuel on the fire? This is adding to it, right? And this is going back to the fact that indexing is buying without any paying any attention to valuation. Just buying the largest companies in a particular index, And so this is another thing that adds fuel to the fire. And so this broad aspect of GameStop is a market structure issue, and it's a political issue as well. And the indexing part actually keeps bigger companies big and smaller companies small, right? Because more money is being put into the bigger names every day as people put money in their 401ks, IRAs, robo-advising services that are just indexing, right? And Vanguard and all these big index companies, BlackRock, they're lobbying Congress to actually make indexing mandated. And so it's creating more and more money going into the index funds. So this adds to this crazy, weird market structure. And you wonder why the market doesn't seem to connect with the economy. It's because it's market structure. Now will this open the eyes of people on how the financial system works, how the structure works? I'm not sure. But maybe maybe it is what kind of unravels the the growth narrative in the marketplace, the narrative driven market and the valuation less market we have right now. Now let's, get, now, let's see if we can squeeze in another caller question that came in earlier on our voice bank at 888.99 chart.
1: Uh, hi, Steve and Justin. Thanks for the great show. I would like your opinion on Mark MKL, Mary, King, Larry. I'm looking to buy and hold it for five to 10 years. Thank you. Bye.
2: All right. Let's uh, offer specialty insurance products and programs for niche markets. Okay, I think, I think somebody sent, uh, maybe it was him, maybe it was somebody else. Uh, about this, $13 billion market cap. This is an insurance company and I tend to like insurance companies right now, especially the property and casualty insurers. They're able to up their premiums. Uh, If interest rates go up, they're going to be able to earn more interest on those premiums, so I like that. This company who's trailing 12 months Free cash flow is 1.7 billion and a market cap of 13 billion. I kind of like that. Although it looks like that might be more of a one-off. 2019 they made $129 a share. This is about a thousand dollar share stock. Remember, thousand dollars a share doesn't mean it's expensive. Doesn't mean it's cheap. This actually looks fairly cheap. Next year earnings expected to be $45 a share. Thousand dollar stock. Not too bad especially with this trailing 12-month revenue. Now it looks like it's going to moderate because of uh it looks it's kind of all over the place. Uh, but history says this is a very profitable company. So, now my favorite in the insurance space, we have others that we own for clients that we really like, but this is a good business. Don't think it's expensive just cuz it's trading for $1,000 a share. 8899 chart, 889924278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, what I want to unpack a little bit are rules of thumb. Rules of thumb. I think this is a great, great study. And what they did was they examined people's, people using rules of thumb most often, and they try to figure out how it was correlated with people's financial well-being right? There's standards, hey, don't do this, make sure you do this. Rules of thumb. And after the break, I'm going to go over which ones correlated the best with a good financial picture. All right. Now, this is the Best Stock. I'm Justin Klein. And we have one goal here each and every weekday. to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom and our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at eight 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 ninety nine chart
0: InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where InvestTalk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with Klein investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com.
2: CrossFit, CrossFit was what I was thinking about earlier. My uh, engineer helped me. figure it. Anyway, so let's get to financial rules of thumb. And what this study did was examine the correlation between different participants' financial well score. Now, when it comes to management, what was the most important rule of thumb? It was always pay debt in full when possible. Okay, and. The least correlated was actually avoid borrowing 401k. So saying basically, if you were going to take any debt on from your 401k, so yourself, do spending. Number one was don't make, don't spend more than you make. Right? Steve always says that. My grandmother always said. So he's a spending problem opposed to an earnings problem. A lot of people think they have an earnings problem. It's more of a spending problem. So that just shows that. The least one was financial, organized financial, finances regularly. So being organized was important, but not nearly as important as spending less than you make. Then savings. The most important one, save at least 30% of your income a month. Right? We talked about it before. This is invest talk, but saving is going to be the most impactful part of your Financial journey. And then investing on the investing side. The number one was invest in line with your risk tolerance. This is what we do for clients. When we, when we do portfolio reviews, we look at, okay, how much risk are you taking? How much risk are you, risk are you comfortable taking? And are they aligned? Oftentimes they're not. Sometimes they are, but oftentimes they're not. So that was the most important. The least important, start investing Early. Thought that was interesting. So, what was most important of all this was the consistency. How easy was it to follow through on these rules of thumb? And those that said it was difficult to make those decisions, they were very unlikely to be financially successful. If they said how automatic it is to follow these rules and they said yes to that, those were highly correlated with being financially successful and the most, the highest. Category was savings so once again savings and making that automatic and easy most important Let's go to Edgar in San Diego. He's looking at Oneyoke Hi Justin.
1: Thanks for taking my call
2: No problem Um, So you're uh, I'll say this Uh, we own Oniok, uh, I don't, I, sometimes some people say I'm saying it wrong. Maybe I am. O-N-E-O-K is, is how you spell it. O-K-E is the symbol. Uh, they are in the natural gas gathering and processing business in the Rocky Mountains. And we, we like the business. We've owned it for some time now. It yields 9.3%. Uh, although their balance sheet is stretched, their cash flows are consistent. And I think their business will be just fine, especially because I think oil and gas prices are going higher. So, uh, you're probably after that nice 9.3% dividend, correct?
1: Correct. And also, yeah. I was I'm looking for yeah, so
2: an
1: And uh, I was looking at the what was your entry question, point. My, my question is, I'm looking for an entry point. What does the chart say?
2: Uh well it's back to the 50 day moving average. 52 week high is at about $45 a share and now we're at 40. So it's a little over 12% off its 52 week high and frankly that's into support. Now there is bigger support right around uh 35. I think there's the potential for that but natural gas prices are going to have to go much much lower and they were actually up pretty nicely today. So I'm a fan of Oney uh, I think their business model is still intact. I think they're going to trend back towards that $3 in earnings from 2019 this year. And back then, they were trading for $75, $80 a share pre-pandemic. And now it's at 40 I see no reason why it can't trend back there. So we're fans. We know for clients. I know for myself. I'm Justin Klein, this completes another Invest Talk program Steve TPs, and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday shortly after the end of our live stream broadcast, which concludes at five p.m. Pacific time. Get your free downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and InvestTalk.com. And be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success, this is Invest Talk. Good night.